Hey there, and welcome to another episode of How to Start a Startup by Hyper. On this episode, we sat down with Ash Brown, the founder of Impira, a company that helps businesses plan for growth and accountability. We discuss the importance of networking in events, navigating imposter syndrome, and finding a CTO for your startup. Ash shares his insights and advice for new founders just starting out based on his own experiences building Impira from the ground up. So with that, let's get into the episode. Do you want to keep going? Yeah, I mean, look, probably, probably, <laughs> I can't tell probably the, biggest, the biggest question. Line. The biggest question I've got is a fireside chat. Where's the fucking fire? <laughs> uh, hey, guys, and welcome to Hyper's Fireside Chat. My name is Sasha Reed, and I'm the founder of Hyper and Apollo. Uh, yesterday, I was lucky enough to catch up with Ash Brown of Impira. Uh, Ash seeks to solve the problem of small businesses and founders when they try and create a business, they typically know what they do on a day-to-day basis, but they don't really know where they're going and they don't have really any understanding of creating an accountability for the rest of their team and themselves on how to get there. Uh, Imperial has been wildly successful over the last couple of years. Uh, they've raised over a million dollars. They've signed up 300 businesses who've integrated and rolled that out. And they've got dozens of partnerships across the board, including Startup Vic, which is coveted by many uh, during this conversation, we talk about what the, what it's like to be a startup founder in today's world, uh, what it's like to build a startup without a CTO, and uh, the power of events and networking and some of the things that they've achieved through that. Uh, we also talk about some embarrassing stories with Ash uh, that you'll no doubt see. Um, and if you want to uh, see what their product is all about, I'll put a link up on the screen. Uh, otherwise, enjoy. Um, so I've, I've wanted to ask if I wanted to say before we're on camera, give us an embarrassing story about Impira. Like what's, what's happened that you just, you rocked up to and you're like, damn, I actually don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Pretty much everything. I oh, actually, you know what? It was the first investor meeting and he ended up investing, which God <laughs> surprised you. But no, well, God, God, uh, thank Sam Cust on this one. Very rare. I'll give Sam too much credit because we don't want his head to get too big. Of course not. But um, he, he introduced me to this guy, uh, one of his mates who's an angel investor. Uh, we sat down and basically I think I went through a 10-year roadmap of what Imperial was, was going to be a CRM, was going to be this. And I think he messaged Sam and goes, I've got no idea what the hell he is going. And, it was, and I knew. I knew the word, it was just word vomit just coming out of my yeah. mouth. And I got in the car, I was in Camberwell, it was like eight o'clock in the morning, I couldn't find a car park and it was an absolute nightmare. And then um, I just went, oh God, this is just, it's the worst, I, honestly. it was. And I was in sales and it was the worst pitch I've ever made. It was just, it was just, yeah, it was, it was just horrific. I wouldn't have bought, I wouldn't have invested in me at that point. Like that was just. It really was embarrassing. It's it, like it's like dating almost. You just don't know if you should call for the second date. No, no, no. I would have just deleted the number going, there's no chance that person's <laughs> calling me. It, seriously, I, I went in 48 different... Like, I'm known to go in a few different directions to get to where we need to go. But by God, I basically just set fire to the map at that point. I didn't know what was going on. Even when I was talking, I knew it was, it was like, shut up. 
But um, yeah, no. So uh, there's probably less in there. Uh, be a bit more succinct with your pictures. Uh, I've I've been there. I've had out of body experiences where my mouth is talking, but I'm not in my body. I'm sort of standing next to me, going, "What are you doing?" No, yeah, no, no. What, I, what are you doing? I, 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 I think in that one, my body, my out of body experiences says I'm getting in the car. Pants <laughs> already left. Yeah, he's toed the horn down Chapel Street, gave me the finger, and off he went. Yeah, it was, don't wake me up when you get home. Yeah, it was horrific. Honestly, it was. And I was moonlighting too, obviously, because I was still working, and um. Told my boss at the time I had a meeting for something else, and I'm like, oh, I'm not cut out for this. Yeah, what am I doing? And uh, and actually, to be fair, when he invested, the line was, which is a killer line. <laughs> he goes, well, I thought if I put ten grand into you, uh, or I have to pay tax. Um, worst case scenario, I just get my money back. <laughs> so your first investment was a tax write-off. Yeah, basically, it was it was a pity ten grand. So. Um, and he got like the best deal of all time, though, because I was so embarrassed that I. Basically... <laughs> you could have everything. Uh, I mean, everyone else was paying like a dollar a share, and he paid like sixty-five cents. It was ridiculous. Did you yeah. tell anyone else, or is it? The... Oh no, no. Well, no. He had. I had no choice. So everyone's like, "Why? What was that one?" I said, "Oh, I just... thank Christ, it's it's a very minimal impact now." But yeah, at the time, it was just like so. It was just a compounding mistake on a mistake. Yeah. On a... Another one was a stuffed up the ASIC submission. What? Oh, yeah, I remember that actually. Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't have done it any worse. <laughs> it cost us like four grand to get out of the mistake. Shit. Because I issued the shares, wrong class of shares. Um, if, any, if there's any lesson in this, just let pay the money get to let right. someone else do it. Because I thought, oh, yeah, issuing shares, I jumped on ASIC Connect, blah, 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 blah. Then we started doing some stuff a bit further down, further down the line in some of the rounds. And it was like, Oh my God, what in the world? And then I, Luna actually said to me, um, after about the 10th meeting, she just basically said, this is a shit show. And I'm like, oh. And so when someone actually turns around and says, that, that's their job, yeah. then um, yeah. So there's been some, some doozies. It's hard to find the, the truth behind when some people, especially external business, mm. When they're like, this is a shit show, we need to fix it, it's going to cost this, and you're talking to a consulting firm who you haven't been consulting with in the past, like, how do you trust them versus not what's too complicated? Yeah, ask questions. Um, always do the... You don't know the answer. No, but always ask, I'll always ask, like, questions, but then try to get um, two, two to three quotes. Yeah. Two to three people. Yeah. Um, cheapest is not necessarily the best um, because it would cause you more problems than it's worth. So have a real good, like, pass the sniff test. Jump in Google, ask, ask them questions, even AI tools, ask mm. them questions, and then put it all together and then form your own opinion on it. Or just ask someone you know who's done it before. Ask other founders. But everyone has opinions. Like, I know. Everyone's got a different opinion. It's so hard to try and figure out what to do. You find pretty mm. quickly there's people you trust. Mm. Um, and the, the big one is the fake it till you make it type of people. Mm. So they're probably people I won't go and ask for advice. Mm. And I do have those people around, um, but I wouldn't actively chase them for opinions on things that have got such a sensitive outcome to it. Yeah. So yeah, I, I want to be told, no, this is going to be bad. Yeah. Um, and that's probably real big thing in startups 
just in business, it's not all rainbows and kittens. Mm. Um, but you want people to tell you it's not going to be rainbows and kittens. Mm. I would rather someone go, no, this is what you're doing is idiotic and these are the reasons why. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. I found that um, I've been part of the board. I've been a board member of maybe 10, 15 different businesses. And yep. typically when there's a lot of people there, sometimes the loudest person in the room gets the most play and the loudest people in the room, that's what they love doing. They love having an opinion. They love making sure that people agree. But typically, I mean, they shoot from the hip too. So how do you, I mean, how can you trust them? How do you know? It's just, it's hard. They have their place. Yeah. Um, they really do. They, they have their place. But as a founder, I consider myself a, the maestro mm. to the orchestra. Uh, so you look at someone who has a loud voice, they're the percussion section. They make the most noise, but they're not control. They're controlling the rhythm, but it's not why people are there. The string sections, the beautiful section. Listen to those. Listen to them. So if you, your job is to control the tempo, control the the sound, and make the choices. So never ever forget the reasons why you're there. Mm. So that's the imposter syndrome. Push that aside. Go. No, I deserve to be here. Give me the baton. I'm going to conduct the orchestra. That's so interesting because I, I mean, I've struggled with imposter syndrome for so long and I'll, I'll sit in a meeting with people and they'll be talking and I look up acronyms afterwards and I'm, cause I don't know what it means, you know, but I want to upskill myself. But I, even today, like I've worked with like five, 600 different startups. I've, I've run my own business. Like I, I know a lot, but I still feel like I know nothing. I think acronyms are a way to make people feel smart. Yeah. I listened to a podcast with Mike Cannon Brooks. He turned around and said he used, to, that. he used to have to go back and Google and jump on Wikipedia to find out what these acronyms mean. Yeah. And he's probably the most successful tech entrepreneur in Australia. And what, one thing I have noticed is that the higher up the food chain and, and some of the people I've met are absolutely incredible, that they're no BS type of people. They don't want an acronym. So, Mate, what are you trying to do? Trying to do this. Okay, cool. What you, CAC is probably the only acronym that everyone wants to know. The mm. customer acquisition cost. Yeah. That's the big one. Yeah. Because to be honest, that's the biggest one that matters. Yeah. How much does it cost you for you to get a customer? Yeah. That's the biggest one. All these other acronyms are just fancy ways to make people feel smarter in the room. Yeah. So uh, when you go back to the loudest person in the room and people that are effectively, for lack of a better term, trying to... Uh, make themselves feel bigger than they probably are. Mm. Um, you've got to understand their logic of why they're doing that, but also go back to why you're doing what you're doing Yeah, and don't sacrifice your values. Uh, they have a place. Everyone has a place, mm. uh, but just try to take it in because at the end of the day, it's your vision. Mm. It's your startup. You're the one that goes to bed thinking about it sometimes these people that sit on multiple boards, you're not saying that this is a reflection of the people I've got around me, by the way, so I'm certainly not saying that. But sometimes you're just a notch on their LinkedIn profile. Yeah. So <clears throat> when you're a notch on their LinkedIn profile, then are they giving you the value that you deserve? At the end of the day, you're paying salaries, right? They're not, so... Yeah. You've got to be fully invested and accountable for the, any decision that you make anyway. That's what I'm saying. 
you're the maestro, you've mm. got the baton, don't be scared of it. And imposter syndrome, in all honesty, Sasha, I struggled with it initially because we've got like people like the XMD of Zero and, uh, and you know, ex president of Salesforce, the sales for Salesforce in a, that sits in our team. Mm. And I found I was deferring way too much. And then when I stopped deferring, that's when the value really come out mm. because they wanted me to, your, this is your vision. Mm. We'll add the salt and pepper to the steak. We're not going to, we don't, I'm not going to give you the steak. And then mm. once I, I got comfortable with that, then I found that I was becoming a much better founder because I wasn't compromising my vision mm. of what I wanted Imperia to be. And that's why I was able to make the pivot yeah. as we discussed previous and various other things because I had the credibility that I was the decisive decision maker. Yeah. And, Part of being a decisive decision maker in you're going to make mistakes, mm. but you, you'll find that you probably make eight out of 10 decisions right. Mm. One will be iffy and one will be, oh, geez, I missed, a, I missed a mark there. Just learn off the ones that you missed a mark from. Yeah. I, I read somewhere and the stats, the stats are wrong, but something like um, if you're 60% comfortable in a decision, it's better to make a decision yep. than not make one at all. And just stand around and do an enormous amount of study for something that probably doesn't matter. Indecision is worse than no yeah. decision or bad decision. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons why we're sort of moving the way we're going is because we just move quickly. Yeah. Um, the, the 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 typical startup thing is move fast and break things. Right. That's Zuckerberg. Yeah. <laughs> until we changed it. Yeah. Until like move fast and break things until everyone goes broke. Yeah. But it, there is a semblance of truth there because what you're doing is you're creating something from nothing. Mm. So you don't have a playbook. And that's the only real kind of playbook you have in startup world is seed, series A, series B, series C, mm. IPO. That's really, it's just the funding rounds of your playbook. Mm. Uh, 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 your your um, benchmarks. Everything you sort of do inside of it you kind of want to break the rules a little bit. Yeah. That's the beauty of this. Yeah. You, you, unless you're doing a platform that's regulatory or legislative, uh, driven by legislation, well, have fun with it. Yeah. Do, I, I have a fun. very, cause we, we work with startups from the idea phase and there's so many things that people want to do and it's hard to get them to focus. And we have this phrase, which is, um, if 80% of users are having a great time on your products, yeah. That's all you need. And you can handle the other 20% separately. Yeah. You don't need 100% of people to have a good time because it's impossible for that to ever happen. Uh, and that's really, yeah, that's, that's smart because you're not going to please everybody. Um, I would even say 80% is too high. Yeah, in, I know. In all honesty, look, yeah. not everyone's going to like your platform. Yeah. We've got, mm -hmm. I think our conversion rate from free to paid, so free trial to paid is roughly... 26 percent mm. uh we just gotta make sure we keep filling up the top of the pipeline yeah by the way i think the average the industry average is like 12 yeah so um don't be offended if people aren't using people are dropping off mm. learn from those people see if you can ask them questions yeah that's 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 vital if you don't yeah. do that then you you go out of business really quickly yeah and in a similar way uh with that 80 20 rule like we uh we work with a startup called shiba and one thing we didn't build in 
because it would cost money and we couldn't afford it was the ability for drivers to change the vehicle that we're driving. So you would register as a certain vehicle, go through the onboarding oh, process, drive. But if you ever change that vehicle, a developer had to do it. It's possible, but a dev had to do it. And to build the uh, customer facing interface, the administrative interface would have cost five, six grand. Hmm. Every time a developer changes it, it's 30 bucks, 40 bucks. Hmm. And so that 80% of drivers would never, ever need to change it more. And so it was these really simple ways to solve problems with the least amount of money possible. Well, we've done that. We, we found onboarding with Impera really difficult. Yeah. Customers like, oh, this is really, you know, we don't know why we're doing what we're doing. Mm. And that was a really stupid mistake on my, my behalf because, and by the way, it's not just me. This is what all founders do because you spend so much time on the wireframes, the logic documents, all this stuff, trying to, and you think everyone knows what you're, you're doing. Yeah. And then they jump in and go, well, I don't understand what I'm yep. doing. Yeah. So perfect example for that for us was we were looking at it going, well, we're having a real drop off. Like it was significant. Like we were having 80% people drop off on the um, onboarding. Mm. I was like, gee, this is horrific. Um, for uh, the product's crap. You got the sets right oh. around. And yeah, 80% of the people were dropping off like two or three steps in. And it was only like, you know, two out of 10 people were going all the way through. And I'm like, well, that's not good. And so I looked at a product called Stonley, which is a, a virtual onboarding product. It sits over the top, developer free. Don't have to worry about it. You just yep. put the code in and then you, it's a WYSIWYG editor and you can just make the edits as you, as you wish. Build knowledge bases, build um, user journeys, build all this stuff for $200 a month. Yeah. Completely, we went from 80% drop off to six. 6%. Did you not have an onboarding? How did you get it down to 6%? No, only 6% drop off now. How? Because they actually go through the, because it's, it takes them through from start to finish. This is why you're doing a vision statement. This is why you're doing core values. This is why you're putting pillars in. Yeah. Here's some TED Talk videos. Here's some blog articles yeah. around it. So telling people why they're doing what they're doing. So yeah, it, it completely now. If you have a look now, it, it went from that because mm. we had Power BI things, so, you know, straight to a V to that. Yeah. And at the you mentioned no code. Basically, you just drop it in. You can change it yourself. Yeah. So you can move real quickly as yeah. well. Oh, I can make pivots. Like I can do some changes now if I needed to. Yeah. Yeah. Which is amazing. And when you, I guess when you first started, well, I, one of the things that we've found the hardest is for founders to find CTOs, <laughs> people that have come in and want to be a CTO, right? And I feel like founders that very, that just start out, they don't really know, um, they don't really, they can't really pitch their idea to a CTO for them to invest their time and what's the equity worth, what's it worth to them. And they're very rare. You didn't have a CTO until what, until you raised your first amount of money? Like, well, how did that work I still don't really have one. Someone technical is part of the business. Yeah, someone technical yeah. is part of the business. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. You've got to... CTO is a very interesting role. Um, if you don't do it right, you can really screw yourself yep. uh, and the business, and you can really lose vision of what your platform is. One of the reasons why Imperial works the way it does and why Zero worked the way it did and why Canva worked the way it did. It was product-led founders. Mm. They knew what the problem was, they've experienced the problem. They didn't, there was the saying by uh, Albert Einstein, some people have got a problem for every solution. 
And sometimes CTOs can have a problem for every solution. Yeah. And I'm I'm not saying that that's the case, but so you've you've got to really find someone to align to your vision of how you want to do it and where they fit in. Yeah. Um, the the person I work with who's not here is in the states. Likes building cool stuff. Like simple, like simplicity. I we want to be elite at simplicity. Yeah. That is my goal. Yeah. We want people to pick up the platform and go, this is simple to use. That is 100% my goal. There's a stat on about monday.com that six, only 6% of the features are used. Mm. And I think it's like 3% of the people that actually sign up to monday.com actually use monday.com. So really? they've got millions of users registered, yeah. but only 3% of them actually use the platform. And then only 6% of the features are actually used. Yeah. Where we we want to be the opposite, we don't want to be feature rich. Yeah, sounds ridiculous, mm. but we actually don't. We want p- you pick up your iPhone; it's very easy. You press a button, you, your nan can use it. Yeah, um, same sort of thing. What we wanted because we people of vastly different um, technical skills are using Impera. Yeah. So when you've got a technical co-founder, you've got to be able to sell your vision of how you want the platform to be built what stack, uh, how it's going to work and not compromise your vision too much and get bamboozled. Yeah. Because some some will say, oh, no, it's got to be this and create these incredible products that just no, A, you don't want to use because it's yeah. cool. Yeah. Or they'll want to solve a thousand problems when you really need to solve two. Mm. Like we were saying before, like you are saying about your founders, you know, if eight people out of ten are happy, yeah. Same sort of thing. Solve one or two real problems. Yeah. Then then once you solve those problems, you'll find that those problems are pretty much got interconnecting problems around them. Yeah. And we found that um uh CTOs are not only hard to find, but it depends on their skill set as well. We found that CTOs who are more enterprise trained, like really big business CTOs or people that are, like have their experience there, they want to solve everything to make sure there is zero issues, zero problems. Yes. They, want to build the like the most robust platform but as a founder you just need to get shit done really quick uh cruise liner goes on the water yeah so there's a rubber dinghy yeah yeah both do the same thing yeah just different results yeah different budgets based on how many people you want to ride the ship right rubber dinghy you buy for 89 dollars a bcf a cruise line is 500 million so yeah. it just really depends on your budget both go on the water yeah both could probably get you from point A to point B. It'd be a bit more rough you ride on the dinghy. Yeah, but you know, but it's cheaper. It's cheaper, it's way but cheaper. but there is a there is a there is a real thing with tech debt. Yeah, you kind of need to find that balance to make. Like we put globalization into the platform. Mm. It costs about thirty grand to do that. But when we were speaking to Trent from Zero, he said they're still trying to unlock that now, and it's costing him four to five billion dollars a year. Yeah, in engineering, so I went thirty grand now. You know, hopefully we're at the zero level within ten years. I don't want to be paying four million dollars a year to try to solve a problem that I could have solved for thirty grand. Yep. So you've got to sort of the hardest thing as a founder to do is to look forward. Yeah. Stay in the moment. Yeah. And you've just got Completely you've agree. just got it, it's like the the that whistle uh, the trombone you're constantly looking <laughs> pulling back going forward pulling back going yeah. forward that that is your life yeah um, whether it's cash 
tech stuff, markets, marketing. You've just got to you've got to look forward, but then you just keep anchoring yourself. Yeah, so I agree, and we've we've found that like people that similar to what you're saying before about your meditation and your appreciation. Was it yeah, gratitude, gratitude. Yeah. Um, I feel like with founders, you have to do that as well. Take time out and go, holy shit, I've just launched something or I just got my first customer. Yep. And some people don't stop and appreciate it. But uh, I was kind of curious, what it, like, what was the most exciting sale you made? It could have been to an yeah. investor. It could have been to first user. It could have been your first transaction. Yeah, the first, tra- the first real transaction for us was a company based here in Melbourne that found us on Google, did the onboarding with our team. We onboarded them, probably gave them way too much, way too much uh, onboarding. But you do this when you first start. Yeah. And they pay for 15 seats up front. So it's like $1,500 sale. And we're like, oh. You're like, I would be rich. Yeah. And me, me straight away going, oh, sick. We'll just then 10 more of those a month. Yeah. And just keep getting them like thinking that's how, how the world works. But had nothing to do with the business and no idea what Impera was versus anyone else. So it was, yeah, it was super, that was cool. That was cool. The, the fact that, I mean, I think we've, you know, we've got us every month. I think we grow about 60% of paying customers Yeah, month on month. And the fact that people actually want to pay to use your platform, but then use your platform to help them grow. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. So it always ties back to the why. Why are we doing what we're doing? We want founders and, and people in businesses to feel good about what they're doing. Yeah. So. Have you have you stretched that out? Because I've seen some financial forecasts of five years and like we'll start at week one, $50, year yeah. one, $100, you know, yeah. and then five years on, $10 billion. Yeah. Do you, is that re- like, do you plan that or how far do you go or how realistic do you think that is? Uh, we've got a goal, I'm unabashedly, Unabashedly. Bullish, yeah, unabashedly uh, uh, bullish on this, and we want to do one hundred a minimum of one hundred seven million ARR in twenty twenty seven. Yeah, that's we'll, we'll get there. That's on your whiteboard. Yeah, we've got a yeah. big. We've got his journey map of. Yeah, the, I think we've got five. We've got one five eight thirty four sixty four and and hundred mil. Yeah, hundred seven mil. Yeah, it's up there every day. Um, for us to look at and keep ourselves anchored to that. Yeah. And we've got the one three three rule, which is every dollar generates $3 of value or $3 of sales within three years. So every dollar we invest. How does that, how does that work? So you invest $3 of every... No, it's every dollar we invest yeah. into something. So yeah. we're at staff, marketing, products. will give us $3 of sales mm-hmm. or $3 of value mm-hmm. within three years. Okay, interesting. So that's that's how because we're always thinking, all right, how do we get the most out of it, our business? Mm. How do we create a business that's long lasting, and then also how do we have a business that um, is profitable? Yeah, all these businesses that are falling over and that, you, you know, I'm sorry, you, you don't you you shouldn't burn three million dollars a month as a as a st- early stage startup. Yeah. I like the fact we haven't been able to raise massive amounts of money because it's not the pressure for me to spend money that I don't because that's it, sort of the dirty little secret with the VC game. We'll give you $50 million, but you've got to get your burn rate up because we yeah. want to see you investing. Yeah. The natural order of things is, well, you just start spending money on things. You start overpaying people. You start 
getting expensive premises. You start investing in heaps in Google AdWords mm. because, oh, we're doing all this investable growth. We get, you're really not. Mm. Um, so we're looking to do the opposite. Yeah. Be, be resourceful, be scrappy, yeah. be frugal. But invest in more, like we invest in the things that we need to invest in. Mm. Does it save us time? Yes. So will it save us three, $3 of time? So if Ash, our marketing manager, is going to cost her $500 to do something in an hour, mm. that if we invested $300 for a month, then we're investing that $300 a month. So she's not yeah. spending $500 an hour wasting yeah. doing, no, she's on 500 But do you know what I mean? Like, so you've, you've really got it. That's the value that we look at. So. Yeah. And um, Brian Chersky, the founder of uh, Airbnb, he said, uh, do things manual until you can't justify the time for it and then automate it. Yeah. Because you can pivot. You can do whatever you want when it's manual. Spreadsheets, it's so easy. Whereas if you put money behind it, yeah, that's the wrong direction. Yeah, it's 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 funny, but the thing is, right? Automation these days with tools like Zapier and yeah, Power Automate, so like that, it, yeah. it's it, it, it like we use um, like Ash uses Shutterstock because for a hundred dollars a month, mm. that's a perfect example of saving money, right? If I had Ash doing illustrations, she'd be doing burning a month a week, yeah, a month a week a month, sorry, on on that. So that's. Fifteen hundred to two grand a month, mm. just going on illustrations. Or I could pay one hundred and twenty dollars to shut a stock, and she can it will take her ten percent of the time. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That one, the three rule is. Yeah, some people sit there and go, oh, "I don't want to spend the money." Okay, pull back. Mm. What's the value of you spending that money? Okay, well, I'm actually going to save a lot of time because the one equalizer is time. Yeah, doesn't matter how rich or poor you are, twenty four hours in a day. Yeah, you can't change that. Yeah, and I we we use automations and no code all the time, even from Zapier. Like we have, I think we use we have something like a nearly two hundred and fifty custom zaps. Yep. Um, they trigger. I think it's like nine thousand times a day almost yep. on certain things, and it's everything from our lead gen to managing founders. I've even got a personal one that when a new sale comes in, uh, it writes a comment under it saying, "Congratulations, guys, amazing." Um, and I only automated that to give myself back five minutes a day. And yep. over the course of a year, it adds up. You know, if you use ChatGPT now, it'll give you different, <laughs> it'll actually, you can actually put ChatGPT in the middle of it yep. and it'll generate a different message every time. Oh yeah. I'd do that as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm already all over it. Oh, I wonder how, I wonder what those texts were. Um, <laughs> I, I tried doing that with, um, <clears throat> with Apollo as well, with our community, just yep. doing comments based on what people say using ChatGPT and it, it was close, but it's never, it never sounded authentic. Yeah. I think when it comes so to comments, avoid that. Yeah. I think when it comes to comments and stuff like that, I, I generally stay away from automation because I want it to be an authentic yeah, exactly. voice. Yeah. So it always sounds fake. Yes. Uh, yeah. You don't want it to sound like a Hallmark card. Yeah. And it really does. Yeah. You can always tell. I, um, I, I tried it for a week or so and then I had this, um, this round table meeting that I try and do every fortnight with the founders on there. And one of them said that, uh, do I, <laughs> was it, do I have an assistant or someone that writes comments for me? No. And I was like, yes, but it was chat GPT because they know my voice and they know the comments were different. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, AI can be really yeah tricky. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about one more thing before we wrap this up. So startup Victoria. So they're a partner of you. Um, uh, how did that happen? Just bumped into each other at a, an event and yeah. Vicky and Dickie, the legends they are said, do you want to partner up? And yeah. honestly, there really wasn't too much into it. Go to events, yeah. go to events, 
and people. put yourself out there and be authentic and you'll yeah. be surprised what you, what will happen. Okay. Yeah. So if you were to give advice to any founder that was looking to start a business or start an idea, now that you've been through the whole thing, what would you say to them? Do it. <laughs> Honestly, do it. Yeah. But make sure the reason why you're doing it is genuine. Yeah. If you're doing it just to, uh, I want to be rich, don't do it. Mm. If you do it because you want to show off to your mates or you want to have a cool LinkedIn profile or you want to be a CEO, don't do it. Do it if you're genuine in what you're trying to achieve. You actually want to fix the problem because all business is just commercialized problem solving. Yeah. That's all businesses. All of it. Hyper is commercialized problem solving. Photography is commercialized problem. If someone's got a problem, they want to sell a product or they want to sell something um, that they get a, a photographer in to do, to do that. Mm. Solving a problem. Everything is problem solving. Solve the problem. Uh, and make sure it's commercially viable. <laughs> well, yeah, it's that's the other part of it too. Can you make money from it? And yeah. by the way, that's not a bad thing because you've got to be able to make money from it. And that's something I've said to people about investors. Would you invest in you? Oh, of course I would. Why? Mm. How are they going to make money? How are they going to get their 10 to 1 back? Mm. Oh. So really sit down and, and think it through. It's hard work. It's not easy. It's sleepless nights. Those sleepless nights and sleeping on couches and all that sort of stuff that people talk about, that's real. I mean, I haven't to sleep on a couch. I've got a bed. <laughs> but but it's real. Having low cash flow, small runways, that's real. It's going to be hard and it still is hard. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have that resilience and you don't think you're mentally capable of doing that, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying it's weakness, but if you're – if you're going in it with both eyes shut or even one eye open, <clears throat> you've got to have two eyes completely open and be able to, to take the hits. Mm. It's a boxing match. You'll take a lot of body blows all the way through. So yeah, it's a yeah, it's a it's a marathon, not a race. Well, I think I gave the example when I got here. It's like you're running a marathon and you've got a stitch and you're exhausted and mm. you're not even a mile in. Yeah, and but you've got to finish a race. Yeah. Are you going to finish a race or are you going to pull out? Yeah. So, yeah. And if you're going to go to, by the way, as soon as someone invests $1 into your business, mm. you've got to take that serious mm. because that person didn't give you money just to, just to, because they thought you were a good person. Yeah. They gave you money because they're tying some financial future to you. Take that serious. Yeah. That's not nothing to be sneezed at. Yeah, and we've um, I've anyway, I've always looked at Simon Sinek when he says you you need to play the infinite game with business, um, and I, I truly believe that it's not like trying to be the competitor, it's not trying to get to wherever you need to get to, but yeah. you need to play the infinite game where you're constantly making sure that you can pay staff, you can move the business forward, you're working with your customers. I don't even look at our competitors. Yeah, I, neither. Couldn't, care, I couldn't care less. Yeah, I I get texts all the time, even from your <laughs> business. Yeah. Um, they say, oh, have you heard about this? Couldn't care less. Yeah. We're, we're running our race. We're doing our things our way. Yeah. We'll always do things our way. Um, we'll get to a point where, and I know for a fact our competitors 
look at us all a lot. Mm. We've actually changed a lot of their pricing. Mm. Um, and I was like, well, I couldn't care less. Yeah. We're going to continue doing what we do. And I suggest that everyone does exactly the same. Yeah. Make people catch up to you. Be the trendsetter. Yeah. Completely so. agree. Um, thanks so much for coming down and chatting to me. No, no, it's great. The palatial hyper estate. <laughs> um, no, no, it's fantastic. Uh, at least I could do hyper was a big part of, like I said, without, without hyper, there's no Impera. Mm. Um, it helped you, Sam, and the team really helped turn that idea from that word vomit into an actual idea that I'll walk down the other side of and be able to sort of take it to the next level. And, you know, we're just getting where we need to be. So, you know, it's exciting. Thanks. I appreciate that. No worries. And that concludes our fireside chat with Ash Brown. If you'd like to see the last fireside chat we did uh, with Amble over in the UK, you can find a link for that on the screen. Uh, and if you'd like to see more content like this, you can do so on Apollo, which is our online founder community. Uh, I'll also have a link for that on the screen. Uh, until next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of How to Start a Startup, brought to you by Hyper. Do you have a product or business idea but don't know where to start? Visit us at hyperhq.com and book a free confidential session with a Hyper Business Mentor to discuss your idea and how to make it a reality. We'd love to talk. And that's all for this week. See you next time.